Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Deniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can. I'm scared to close my eyes. I see dead people. I believe you have my papler. Now that I've met you, would you object to never seeing me again? This is not just a couch. It's just our couch! Take the red pill and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You leave the light on after bedtime. I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Malcolm! Seven and a half, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Welcome to the seven and a half floor of the Merton Plummer building. My name is Craig Schwartz and I have an interview with Dr. Lester. Which of these two letters comes first, this one or this one? The symbol on the left is not a letter, sir. Damn, you're good. Do you know that I don't even know your name or where you work? And 50 other lines to get into a girl's pants. (laughs) So, honey, you thought any more about us having a baby? I think that maybe we should just wait and see if this job thing pays off. There's a tiny door in my office, Maxine, and it takes you inside John Malkovich. There's no such thing as a hole into somebody's brain. Yes, there is. You see the world through John Malkovich's eyes? And then after about 15 minutes... And that's not me. I didn't say that. You're spit out into a ditch on the side of the New Jersey turnpike. It was amazing. Where the hell are we? We're about to be just subconscious. John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, Catherine Keener, and John Malkovich. Malkovich! Malkovich! Being John Malkovich. So we we come to come to this. We come to revisiting Charlie Kaufman's uh, work, which uh, I, I sort of hinted at at the uh, end of our, our glorious uh, the best man episode. That I was not really uh, not really penciling this one in as a as a highlight, which I think most people probably would for ninety nine. I think that being John Malkovich would uh, be expected to be on uh, quite a few people's top ten lists for that particular year. But I felt like. Um, I felt like I probably gave this one too much play as a young man and burnt myself out on it. So it had been, I don't know how long it had been since I had watched this, but I definitely watched it, you know, probably five or six times on DVD. Never got to see it theatrically. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I was coming to it with adult eyes, which I, I had done previously for a podcast with eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. And I kind of wish I hadn't because I had very, very fond memories of that one. And then when I, came back to it i felt uh i just felt too old felt too old for the characters so uh this one's a little bit different though because it's not um you know it's not the uh the sort of 
sentimental romance that we get uh, in the Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet film. This one's a pretty bitter romance that we have, this love triangle. So I will toss the ball to you because I I don't know anything about uh, your experience with this film. Uh, I assume that you caught it uh, pretty close to when it came out, though, as a a young cinephile. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I guess my adult eyes are just a a little bit better, uh, you know, than yours. Um, But um, (laughs) I don't know how to take that. What do you mean? You've kept that uh, the same sentimentality that I've lost entirely. But I mean, I I, I guess somewhat. (laughs) I I didn't really think of it that way. Um, You know, I saw this not theatrically, but I mean, I believe it was one of uh like in in one of the first group of films that I watched uh, on DVD. And, and that was an interesting, uh, so, so basically I'm, I'm, you know, just starting to become, you know, a quote unquote, you know, cinephile or whatever. And, and so this is one of those, uh, weird quirky films that I, that I got to check out on home video, uh, that, that really moved me a lot more than I thought it would. And, you know, the film, I I think the film really grabs you right off the bat uh, early on with this whole seven and a half floor thing. And and I think, you know, if you're not laughing with the film uh, at that point, if you're not laughing at an early appearance by Octavia Spencer here, having to use a crowbar to open up the elevator to get John Cusack to the seven and a half floor, uh, if you're not laughing at the little training video they're showing him and these little uh, uh, jokes that, the guy, the, the, his boss interviewing him for, for, you know, for the prospective job is giving him like, if you're not laughing at all that, then yeah, you're not, you, you know, you're not with, really with the movie. Uh, and you're so, actually talking about the best character in the film, Dr. Lester. He's the he's one. Fan. Oh yeah. I, I, he's a great, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go so far as saying he's the best character in the film, but oh, absolutely. But man, I, I, I do laugh more at those sections of the movie than anything else. And, and there is in, in, in a, I, you know, this is one of my favorites of, 1999 and so and so i was i was really looking forward to revisiting it and um in in a way i do feel like you could have a whole movie just about uh that character and and, you know um and what leads up to uh to to the events of this movie for him uh sort of a being john malkovich prequel of sorts oh my goodness Uh, (laughs) they've really got their hooks into you Good God. I love this film. So I'm so, I, I guess it's hard for me to read what you were saying in that you're, you're saying that um, you were worried because I guess you were disappointed with Eternal Sunshine recently that you'd be disappointed with this. But were, yeah. were you ultimately disappointed with this or, or was that were, – were those fears unfounded? I think they were mostly unfounded. Um, and I, I don't know if it's – you know, this one is certainly colder than Eternal Sunshine, which you, you have different directors at the helm. Here and also the you know, the point of the respect films is quite a bit different too. Um, so yeah, I think that yeah, my main concern was you know when you're I, you talk about it a lot with uh, like festival films or like you know festival film festival goers like that uh, not only are they like more forgiving but they like aspire to just see something different because they're watching like you know six movies in one day so anything that's Mm -hmm. a bit outside the norm you know kind of quirky uh that they they're far more forgiving in that particular moment um and i think my fear was with charlie kaufman you know it was the and this is going to sound worse than you know what the, the quality of the material but it was the was the cuteness 
of, of his sort of concepts that he runs with, was that going to age well for me? Like when I'm a teenager, I, you know, it's, it's just blowing my hair back, but I just, <laughs> there's a little bit of me, like as an older man where I'm like, I just, uh, you know, I just, I just want to see movies about normal fucking people, like normal people <laughs> you know, well, doing normal things. But I feel like you're kind of contradicting yourself. Cause I, I mean, there, there have to have been films that you really liked, uh, leading up to, to this episode that were not about normal, uh, you know, effing people, uh, you know, look, I, I think that Tarzan was very much about a normal child. <laughs> You know, who who just has a father that he can't, you know, he can't win his affection or approval, his adoptive father. Um, sure, I, I guess there is, but you know, that is definitely like, you know, that's a that's a house style of like a Charlie Kaufman script, right? Is I mean, I don't think he's and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he's got like all the real girls in his filmography. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't think he's I think there's always gonna be something a little extra uh, to his particular, you know, worldview or just the type of films he likes to make. All right. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot because you know, okay. this is, this is ridiculous. Uh, are you going to tell me how normal Anomalisa <laughs> is? It's just about your run the mill dude <laughs> having an affair in a hotel room. I don't think so, sir. I'm going back pretty far here, but there's gotta be summer of Sam, summer of Sam. That guy's not normal. Talking about John no. Leguizamo, not the actual son of Sam Killer. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you clarified there. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not normal. Like as far as like uh, I've shared his particular hangups or his uh, you know his love life that's very situational. Considering that there's a pushing. Okay, another John Cusack film, Pushing Tin. Those guys. That's were a better definitely example. Not normal. There we go. That's, that's definitely the one I'm that's because that. That definitely leans more cutesy, doesn't it? Um, but I guess, <laughs> you know, Pushing 10 was, uh, and as far as I know, unless it's just us two on that particular episode from long ago, I don't think that it ever got any sort of like acclaim uh, for its for its broad comedy. Uh, whereas something like Being John Malkovich like, was always going to be a critic starling. Like, uh, and that's that's not to knock the filmmakers, because you, know, you still have to hit your, your targets, but... Uh, this particular thing about, you know, a failed, a failed artist, a middle-aged white guy that feels unappreciated, uh, and and pines for, uh, you know, the the attractive lady to give him the time of day. Like we we've seen this quite a bit from from critics, darlings that they see themselves as that that character, and they, sure, they really, sure, but to they be really fair, take up arms for it. To be fair, this is coming at like the beginning of that trend. And, and, and I think it's fair to bring that up when it comes to like something like Anna Melissa, um, because, because that protagonist, there isn't, uh, there really isn't as much that's unique about him in comparison to, uh, Craig Schwartz here played by John Cusack. What, so what the thing that you're touching upon is one of the things that, that I really love about the film is that our protagonist here, the way he's presented is extremely sympathetic uh, you know, at the beginning, like you're almost really pitying him at the, be- you know, at the beginning of this movie, uh, this, this failed puppeteer who gets beat up by people on the street because, because he's showing, uh, the, you know, their children lewd, uh, acts with puppets. Um, you know, uh, this guy who is married to Cameron Diaz, albeit Cameron Diaz dressed up to look, you know, li- like a homely person, 
but he's married to Cameron, Di- Cameron Diaz and doesn't appreciate her. He gets to live with chimpanzees and doesn't, doesn't appreciate, appreciate it. Um, I'm not following on that, that last one, but go ahead. I would love to live with a chimp, especially if, you know, the person taking care of it knows what they're doing and everything. I just, I, mean, yeah. I never realized that you were such a huge fan of every which way, but loose until now. <laughs> <laughs> that is your fantasy life. Just drive that's an orangutan. That's a, okay. That's what you've said is extremely offensive to the to the ape community. If this was Planet of the Apes, you know they would take you away at this point. I'm, um, I'm sure someone out there identifies as an ape and will uh, will attack okay. me for that. But getting back on track, the, this movie at the, at the halfway point of this movie, it could have gone a different direction, and I guess we can spoil being John Malkovich because I mean people have seen it and everything and you've uh, already done so and are are Uh, not really we haven't not well that's not a spoiler how's that a spoiler um (laughs) i mean a movie called is called being john malkovich eventually you're gonna have john malkovich scream malkovich um so spoiler the movie okay so this is a spoiler alert for the rest of being john malkovich if you haven't seen it please do uh, I think you can agree with that too, Michael Deniston. Um, <laughs> I really like that we're giving a spoiler alert for this one, but for Best Man, you're like, <laughs> you're spoiling this by you know bringing up things I don't remember. What is this? <laughs> well, that's it's, it's you know you gotta you gotta be fair here. Like like I mean, Best Man. As much as I, I enjoyed it, you know, it's not a it's not like memorable. Uh, you know, exchanges. Uh, God uh, damn it! It was there. memorable enough so, to get a sequel. Where's being John Malkovich? Where's the Christmas version of this? It failed. Go on. All right. So at the halfway point of this movie, it could have gone a different direction. We could have gotten the story of Craig Schwartz and how he redeems himself and, and you know, becomes a better person or whatever. Similar to what we see with, with Jim Carrey uh, in, in Eternal Sunshine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to wake up. I don't want to do this anymore. You know what I mean? Like that's the turning point for him. Uh, we never get that with Craig Schwartz. Craig Schwartz just descends and descends and descends until he is the worst person in the story. And the film ultimately becomes a tragedy about, you know, him, you know, being so stuck in the mindset of having to live through other people, uh, of having to try and control other people's actions that, you know, that that ends up being his entire life being stuck, uh, behind a pane of glass, uh, watching stuff he can't control, watching his former wife and his, uh, you know, lover ha- having to, you know, live a happy, fulfilled life. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that Kaufman went that way with, with one of, with this early script of his, the, the rest of his films are not like that. We, you know, we ultimately feel a lot of sympathy for uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character at the end of Synecdoche, New York. And then, Adaptation, adaptation, we you know is is ultimately a happy ending for uh, the 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 Kaufman uh, character there, and and so uh, I guess that that's that's how this movie stands apart from like let's say Sideways or whatever, where you're talking about Man, the white you really guy. Really, you some Sideways. You're talking like about the middle aged white guy protagonist <laughs> who who has unfulfilled ambitions and everything. The, this movie goes this movie goes in a different direction than those. And uh, ultimately becomes a, a a tragedy for this guy, and, and I think I think in in a certain regard you really have to have a lot of respect for Kaufman. There's almost no movies, you know, where uh, none of these critical darlings that you're talking about where where that happens at the end. Usually, it's you know a happy ending for the schlubbish uh, uh, white guy, as you put it. 
I mean, I, I think your assessment's correct as far as like the direction his career went, uh, which I guess you're you're getting in one more jab on Alexander Payne, right? Because that's, that's sort of this, <laughs> that's something you lamented in the election episode, if I recall, that it's like he never really got back to to that. Like he mm-hmm, kind of went mm-hmm. in a more sentimental direction. So you're uh, that's a pretty good comparison. I, I I don't know. Like I I wonder. Like because it seems like you really like so. Like how many times have you seen this? Would you say I I saw it many times when I was younger, and I but I think it's been several years since I okay. I'd watched it like all the way through. Um, you know, so this was you know this was a big rewatch for me, and and I think it holds up uh, really well. Certainly, there there was a lot of high concept, quirky, absurdist you know comedies after this. And so at the same, at the same time, it's like when you, when you see how high concept, uh, you know, some of the movies, uh, are that, that we get today, uh, this, this stands above those in that the premise, you know, it, it contributes to the themes, of, uh, you know, of the movie. It's not just there for, for as an easy hook. Um, what, what we have here is that we have a movie that's largely about the experience of wanting to be someone else, of wanting to experience life through another person's eyes. And, uh, and it takes a different direction with that than I think, uh, a lot of other movies would. The depressing and the, like the more humorous aspects of it was, uh, I go back to like the Dr. Lester character, right? Like, I mean, there's, (laughs) yeah, there's a lot of things where you can, uh, you put it in the hands of like uh, a supposed artist like Craig Schwartz, which I'm not knocking him. He's very good as like a street puppeteer as far as like <laughs> the actual <laughs> like physical talent to do that. He has something, uh, but he has no awareness of. And that's actually like applies very much today, like uh, especially when you come to like social media or the democratization of just entertainment. Like like he seems to have little concern that what he's interested in uh, is not of the interests of like the mainstream populace. And like the fact that, I mean, there is that sort of pointed critique that if in the hands of like John Malkovich, uh, it would get the approval of the mainstream because it's like, we've already designated him as someone that's acceptable to bring something like fucking puppets to the mainstream. So if Malkovich can do it, uh, that's fine, but not whoever this Craig Schwartz guy is. But, you often like kind of criticize like the state of the Hollywood industry now that what they put out seems to be things to antagonize and slap people in the face like, <laughs> for, for like having the audacity to support their artistic endeavors and paying their 12 bucks to like see something. There. Don't, you think, don't you think this film feels mainstream now in comparison to yes. this? <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's funny. Like in comparison said, to like, uncut gems, which I haven't have not seen. So I can't comment uh, on it. <laughs> Very much so, it is. Um, <laughs> and it was funny when you were talking about, you know, the, this this hook that it has to, to grab you. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, when this came out in 1999, that this this would have been daring, right? This would have been like, oh, God, how are we going to get people? How are we going to explain mm-hmm. what the fuck this is? But now this would be like, well, at least you have something. <laughs> at least you have a hook. <laughs> I think I think now, like, the, like, it would almost be mocked for being too populist. Uh, yes, in, in yeah, tone. yes, it would. <laughs> and, and, that, and yeah, that's really, I mean, that, that's really sad uh, and, and all that. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of glad there were a few people, like I told them, oh, yeah, I rewatched Being John Malkovich the other week. And you just kind of, you could see their eyes just kind of light up, you know, with, with the memory of, you know, the movie and everything. And so I'm kind of glad that it's remained in 
uh, good standing uh, with with people. We haven't talked much about the performances, you know, which I think are all really excellent. In particular, John Cusack didn't seem to get he never seems to get much love, uh, you know, for for his best roles, uh, at, you know, at all. And and this one, you know, is is the same thing. It's just you know very like it's a very strong uh, piece of work. And, um, you know, even when even when he's not really physically in the in the role anymore, you do you, like he creates such a strong persona for this Craig Schwartz guy uh, that, that it makes it easier for for uh, Malkovich to then play him inside himself, inside John Malkovich. Um, you know? <laughs> and then and then so then that leads me to, you know, so as when I was younger, I remember one of the things people said about this movie was that they were saying, they were talking that John Malkovich might actually get nominated for an Oscar for playing himself. And I remember as a younger person kind of rolling my eyes and thinking, well, that's really stupid. Um, and even when I saw the movie, I thought, well, you know, that's, you know, that's way too uh, out there. Uh, but today, I, I would really give a lot of praise to Malkovich. Uh, in particular, these scenes where he is actually Craig Schwartz inside himself. He he does a really good job with all that, and and that's got to be a pretty difficult thing for an actor to you know to confront you know to 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 not only have to confront their own like personal habits and, and personal tics and everything, but then have to imagine what it would be like to have another person inside them. Uh, okay. You can laugh at that, uh, whatever. Um, but, I wasn't going to laugh. I was, I was just about to uh, call you say, on it saying, uh, well, the reason he didn't get nominated is because it was already done by Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, and John was face-off. That's, that's the re- this was, there this you was go. old hat so, at this point. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think, I think Malkovich is really excellent, and, and in, in particular the later part of the movie where he is Craig Schwartz. And, and that's another thing that I like so much about the story is that Craig Schwartz is given – you know this this pretty this pretty good life with with John Malkovich and and you see after even eight months you know he looks like a wreck and, and you know this this scene where he he changes into his uh, dress clothes um, while he's waiting for uh, Maxine to uh, uh, to to come back um, you know is just it's just so it's it, it it again it's just like it just shows you that like Craig Schwartz is such a, a kind of poisoned individual that, that he kind of poisons everything uh, he touches. I really come down really hard on, on Craig Schwartz, but, but you know, by the end of this movie. Um, I mean, I think that's justified, right? Like I, yeah, <laughs> look, I, I, I veer more towards the Dr. Lester side of things. If I, if I had access to this, he has this <laughs> line where uh, Craig, uh, you know, is trying to, uh, he's being very patronizing, saying like, you know, the the elderly have so much to teach us. Like, you know, they're a link to the past. And he's like, I don't want to be your goddamn link. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I want to feel like, you know, Flora's, uh, you know, flesh uh, on mine. That that sort of that sort of thing. So, uh, Mary Mary Kay Place. Uh, you know, since we're recording this, uh, we're recording this about a week before the Oscars. Uh, you know, that that would be my biggest lament of the past year. I don't. Did you see a movie called Diane? That she was in last year. Uh, no. What was it about? Uh, it's a, basically about a a woman whose whose life is like caretaking. 
Um, you know, she's very involved, like in, mm. in a very small town and community. Like I, this <laughs> my looks assessment. Good. <laughs> well, my assessment of it is the reason that it got no play uh, from uh, critic circles is because they didn't understand the concept of a woman uh, consistently driving on a two lane road, and so they didn't understand what that was being on on the coast. And so it's just like I, I don't know what this story is that's, about. But, uh, you know, that's flyover country. Yeah, talk, it doesn't matter. Her, her concerns, no, no concern of us. <laughs> Uh, so I very much enjoyed seeing her again, and especially she pro- uh, she probably knows people who know people who voted for Trump, so that makes her, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know if we can say same about uh, her character Flores here, but I do love her being the uh, you know the 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 sex pot right like this is the the reason for, for dr lester's quest and you compare that to i mean he he just puts it out there saying that you know he, he i think he just says at one point no one wants to die <laughs> like he just wants to continue living and in this case he wants a chance to have sex with this woman so he needs a body to do so and he wants to keep doing that for as long as he can versus craig schwartz who like that's basically the reason he does this right like mm-hmm. without maxine mm-hmm. there's no way even if he discovers this you know, on his own, like if he doesn't have Maxine to show it to, I doubt he has any sort of follow through. So I do think the film sort of dresses him down as far as his intentions. Like he, he says that he can, you know, he can bring his art to the world by using this other man's flesh. Uh, but really he just wants to get laid. He just wants mm-hmm. to cheat on his wife. And I guess I just, I just find the Dr. Lester character to be just refreshing and you know, just for calling it what it is. And to the point where he, ha- where he has to, you know, put her in the cage with the, with the chimp, uh, in order to, in order to under false, you know, inhabit John Malkovich under false pretenses and, and make uh, Maxine think that it's act you know, that it's actually Lottie. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, a really despicable character. And it is interesting that Kaufman was able to go that dark so early on, uh, you know, his, his other scripts, the, the protagonist is a lot likable, a lot more redeemable, uh, even even though they're always being shown as you know being very flawed and everything, the the by the end of the film you usually uh, have, you, you like them a lot, um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so Catherine Keener got most of the recognition here, and and she is great, uh, but I but I do think Cameron Diaz uh, probably deserved uh, more praise than than she got, and it is kind of sad to think that Cameron Diaz there's a, there's this point in time where Cameron Diaz was getting such interest this is like you know the the really good like four or five years for her and then after this it's just you know very little um <laughs> well I mean she went she went back uh the, she's kind of uh like a I guess a female version of Tom Cruise for me in that regard where they were hopping around working with like I guess interesting filmmakers uh playing uh interesting characters and you know like I guess at a certain point you know, you just realize like I gotta, I gotta make the money while I can. She hasn't been like, in, a, she hasn't been in a movie since 2014. Has she not? Because I feel like she, she was that's like what, that's what I'm looking at right here. Oh wow, that's you know. So she, uh, yeah, you're right, Annie. Uh, I don't remember her, and then I assume she was a villain. Sex tape, the other it woman. E- <laughs> it even says on her Wikipedia page, final film role, as though she's dead. Like I mean, she's strange. Know, like. <laughs> And it, like, if as far as I remember, uh, like in that year, like the other woman and Sex Tape, both also in 2014, were box office hits. It's not like she was just <laughs> in disaster after disaster financially and was, uh, you know, she was shown the door. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, 
I, you always find a way to make it like even when you're like extremely positive on a film, you you have this like depressing side note <laughs> where it's like it'll, it'll never be that way again. Or this is when this person was great and now they're no longer working. I'm sorry. I, I should try not to do that. And and okay, so looking on the bright side of things, isn't it great that we got to watch being John Malkovich? Uh, you know, in um, this really nice presentation and everything and that so many people seem to remember it so fondly and um you know can now go go back and watch it you know watch some more i do also think that i think kaufman would be wise to to let other people direct his scripts uh not that i don't think he hasn't done good work with like synecdoche new york and and even animal lisa which which i i didn't like as much as you did but i did Mm -hmm. like it um he's done good work but I do think there's something different about the this trifecta of like being John Malkovich adaptation and Internal Sunshine, where he had someone who could kind of translate uh, his ideas for for an audience. And uh, you know, there's definitely something different about those three movies in comparison to the ones he's directed on his own. More Mary Kay Place. That's what I say. There you go. <laughs> okay. I don't think that leads us into our. Uh... Well, next well, film, well, the, 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 the themes of John Malkovich, um, it is interesting because there is another film coming up that is very much about uh, a person who, 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 you know, who covets the life of, you know, of another human being. Um, and that's another one of mine that, that is one of my favorites of, of 99. And it is also featured in our in our intro, uh, just like uh, being John Malkovich is. And, and so... And to a certain extent, we could go back to American Beauty, uh, y- you know, in that in that uh, those ca- uh, the Lester Burnham character, you know, wants a different life uh, at the beginning of that of that film. It's a it's another it's another one of those interesting things that ties back to this sort of self dissatisfaction and introspection, um, you know, into into your own life and everything that that uh, that I that I wonder if I wonder if people do. Uh, do enough of that thinking uh, today. Um, I I wonder if social media has kind of created this, you know, this mirror back to yourself of, oh, I can be whatever I want to be as long as I, you know, present it on on my Twitter page or my Instagram or whatever uh, in a a certain regard, then then I've achieved that. Um, You know, movies like this reflected, I think, a more honest uh, introspection that people were having towards themselves. I'm gonna blame uh, blogging in general for this. Okay, like, I know we harp on, <laughs> we we harp harp on uh, modern social media, but uh, the uh, yeah, I, I think it probably started there. Like let, let's let, let's just produce more content, and like it, it doesn't have to be as well thought out. It can be more stream of consciousness, like you know, just a journal entry. Um, I mean, that's now that looks like uh, someone's writing the great the next great American novel compared to. <laughs> You know, posting on Instagram or something, uh, but yeah, it just seems to be like uh, just just put out more, just more things that just clog up my feed that we can just quickly consume and then move past and forget that we ever we ever saw it. And that that goes to a lot of times the conversations we've had about movies as well. Like I, you know, we bring up Netflix a lot, but I I know maybe I'd be part of the problem. But if Netflix popped up on my screen, this strange John Malkovich comedy. I would I would probably roll my eyes like 
I guess uh-huh. you were his Oscar mm-hmm. chances and be like, God, more of their horse shit. And it's more disposable, like crap that has like, you know, a premise that you can basically present in a 140 character joke. Uh, and then you move on. Um, and uh, I, I guess that they they themselves I don't know if you've read this recently. I assume you have because you, you're <laughs> a, a well-known like, you know. Uh, hate consumer of all of all things like Netflix that are their you know their problems in the world um, that they are now um, they're going from counting a view as seventy percent uh-huh, of the material. I've read that, yeah, <laughs> it's like if you watch two minutes, that counts yeah. as a full view. So basically, if you clicked on the title. <laughs> You know, if you accidentally played it, you know, on the, on the, on the Roku app here the you know, there's in the interface, the movie will, will automatically start playing if you just, you know, browse, hover That's over a it. View. And so, That's yeah, a view. is that a view? Um, and, and this is all silly. It's all silliness. It, 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 and, and I know a lot of, you know, filmmakers are getting high off of the Netflix money wagon, you know, right now, uh, such as Scorsese and, 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 and Noah Baumbach. Um, and, and, and whoever, uh, Walter Salas for, for his two popes, uh, experience, <laughs> um, you know, like I know a lot of, a lot of them are, are, are like, you know, thinking, okay, this is going to work. We can just make whatever we want to make on, on, on Netflix. And, uh, uh, I think it's short-sighted thinking and, um, every bubble pops eventually. And, uh, you know, people would be wise to kind of look to the future and see what, you know what would be smart to do right now business-wise rather than what's the most profitable decision they can make for themselves, you know? I, I think that uh, this this podcast will lead them to the right. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> right well, we've decision. had a great amount of success so far, really. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, clearly billions of dollars of investing, <laughs> uh, the, uh, they're going to look to us as far as which way the wind's blowing. Um but yeah, I mean that's that was just something I thought of was like you know if I if I did see this now it would probably be on a streaming service, and I would think that it would be like you know a one joke movie that has been stretched out to two hours that I uh, there's no need for me to click on. Uh, but back then uh, I was young and bright eyed and I thought this was really cool. Um, and I have to admit that I liked it a lot more than what I thought I would as an old man because it is so bitter, I guess. So, uh, all that being said, uh, our next film, um, not bitter, I would say, uh, <laughs> pretty much meant for wide-eyed children, uh, as far as uh, life lessons, and it's a cartoon, so this ought to be fun, right, Ben? Uh, it'll be an interesting uh, discussion, uh, for sure, um, you know, uh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I think you definitely need to introduce uh, this one because just even... I don't think any Miyazaki fans should listen to to our discussion (laughs) on on Princess Mononoke. I'm just going to put it out there. You know, if you don't want to hear what I have to say about (laughs) how Miyazaki, then you probably shouldn't listen to the next episode. But keep subscribing. At least give us the the Netflix courtesy download slash listen. It just went to your phone, then you deleted it. That's that's one. That counts as one. So we appreciate that. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99.